To venture into the fair unknown, I must enter as I leave, a traveler alone. Welcome you back to another episode of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ryan Mazzocco. And I'm Ethan Maestri. Ethan, we are on episode number 40. It is 40, isn't it? Yeah, fair unknown. This podcast is over the hill. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Um, you know, I've kind of been looking forward to... What do you... we're, we're doing a show. Do you... yeah. Can I have your attention? Or what are you doing over there? Well, you remember I had the camera in the room with us when we were recording last week, right? Yeah, it was kind of uncomfortable, but I remember. Okay. Well, I was just going over some of the video, reviewing it, you know. Um, yeah, you remember that part there. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, it's not really... Well, what was that? What was what? Go back. Uh, okay. Yeah, a little further. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, well, uh, c- play it at quarter speed. Okay. Stop. R- there? Yeah. Do you see that? Did you see that? See, see what? You didn't see that? Just run, go running across there. It was like a... It looked like some sort of a four-legged figure. E- yeah. Was that a... Was that a veteran? No. Dude, That that's my dog. Oh, yeah, it is. All right, well, let's just get to it then. Uh, we have, uh, as we mentioned, episode 40, The Fair Unknown. Uh, before we get to that, Ethan, uh, you had something that you wanted to talk to us a little bit about, didn't you? Yeah, we, we took a little time last uh, last episode to uh, talk about a, uh, a listener that had uh, contributed and had, had sent us some, some very nice uh, feedback by way of email. Mm-hmm. And it's happened again. What? Ryan. It happened again. Get out of here. Yeah. Are you sending these? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Okay. Is your wife sending these? No, she's not. Of course she wouldn't be. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, no, but we did get um, an email, a very, very nice email. Uh, we just wanted to, to give a shout out and say thank you very much. One, for the contribution. Two, for the, the email and the time that you took. Perhaps I, it sounded like you were at work and uh, may have been dodging the boss. Uh, and and so we appreciate you uh going under the wire and 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 taking some time to give us some feedback we really do appreciate it uh lifted my spirits ryan i am i know it lifted yours we had lunch together um when we saw that come through and Mm -hmm. and we were fist pumping and and patting each other on the back basically because everyone in the restaurant thought we were insane (laughs) probably so but it is great to hear from the listeners and so ray we just wanted to take a second and and say thank you very much uh because that uh that kind of made our day Mm -hmm. and uh appreciated uh in particular uh, one of the notes you made um that that we're you know contributing something that allows you to contribute to a significant other uh, in your life as well and you know that's that's just that's really cool 
uh, to think that we're actually doing something that somebody else appreciates and that they're taking that information and passing it along to. I particularly appreciated and got a good laugh out of that. And uh, 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 congratulations um, and, and good luck in all of your endeavors. And again, we, we thank you very much for the, the time you took to, to let us know what you thought about the show. Yep, we sure do. It was quite a, uh, a detailed, lengthy email. Uh, I was really impressed with the way he was able to break down, if not every episode, nearly every episode we've covered to this point, and uh, just give us, uh, in three or four sentences, break down what he thought of each episode. In fact, it was so good. I'm thinking about hiring him to uh, do the writing of our synopsis for us, since we can't, <laughs> since we 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 balk at doing them. You know, <laughs> if we could have a writing staff, uh-huh. wouldn't that be awesome? That would be. He would be the first on my list to contact. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and also additionally, you may hear my dog whining in the background. <laughs> they're not being hurt. <laughs> they're they're being put in timeout, and they don't like that, so no. they're they're whining. So if you hear that bleeding through the mic, I do apologize. I don't think anyone will mind. All right, so let's go ahead and get on with it then. Uh, The Fair Unknown, as we've stated, episode number 40. Ethan, I believe it's uh, your week to do the the recap, isn't it? Is it it not? It is, but I'd like to do something else before we do that. You do? Yeah. Okay. I I don't think I was aware of this. A little bit of fun facts? Some trivia, perhaps? Did you forget that whole segment? Yeah. Some host you are this week. I know. (laughs) Totally, you want to restart totally that? It, then. Yeah. Hey, let's go back. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into Hey, was that discussion. a veteran? <laughs> <laughs> but I believe you have some fun facts for us, don't do you not? I do. Mm-hmm. See, even on the second time, I still couldn't say, do you not? <laughs> do, yeah. do not you. Yeah. Let's just push through, the, through, this, right. on, through this one then. Uh, this episode was written by John Lloyd Perry, and this is the second of only two scripts that he has, to his credit, on the Andromeda series. Would you care to guess what the first one is, without looking at my notes on the screen here? Um, I'm going to guess, last call at the Broken Hammer. Ding, ding, ding. Oh. That is correct, sir. I looked at your screen. You did look at my screen. So yeah, last call at the Broken Hammer was his first script, and then now he appears again here in the second season. Um with with his uh, with his script here, the fair unknown. So he's got a thing for Calderons. Yes, hmm. and that was that was the point that I was going to bring up. Oh, I'm the sorry. The two episodes that we've I gotten just here stepped all over your fun facts. <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. You want me to, since I you can made see the your screen, well. can I just go ahead and read off the rest of them for you? <laughs> uh, no, I'd like to do this. Evidently, I want to get through the fun facts really fast this week. Uh, so. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, uh, it was also directed by Mike Roll. And Mike Roll did Double Helix, one of your favorites from the first season. It was. But did you know he also did Lava and Rockets? I do now. (laughs) How do you feel about that? I'm torn. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, as well you should be. And I bring that up just for your benefit. Thank you. I appreciate that. And he'll be back in the third season as well to direct a couple of more episodes. Our guest stars. We had Meredith McGeechee, and she plays Maya. Now, she's had, uh, had many roles in television. She's played Earth Final Conflict, Stargate Atlantis. Uh, she's been in the Eureka series and also on Fringe. And she's also going to return later in, in later season. I believe it's the fourth or fifth season. Uh, not in the role of Maya, but uh, as another character. So we'll get to see her again on Andromeda in the future. I always wondered about when they do that kind of stuff. Do, do none of the other characters recognize her? Hey, you look a lot like a girl I met in season two. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll get to see if there's any any recognition on their faces. I guess so. Um, 
hopefully it doesn't show up in the dialogue. <laughs> Otherwise, that's pretty weak. Yeah. But uh, in any case, uh, our other guest, Sonia Saloma, uh, she plays Exalta, uh, the veteran of interest in this uh, story. Now, she's been on uh, so much television and film. Um, her credits are almost endless. Uh, Dark Angel, a recurring role in the series The Collector as Maya Kandinsky, uh, a role in which she won two Leo Awards uh, for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, also Kyle XY, Stargate SG-1, uh, the 2010 reboot of the V series, Supernatural, and many other television series credits as well. Also, she was in The Watchmen, the film The Watchmen. And, and like I said, many other film appearances on television, several of which she's been also been nominated for Leo Awards and has won quite a few of those uh, also. So that's what I got for fun facts. Okay. So now what I was trying to get to earlier, the recap. Yeah. You want to go ahead and do that? Wait, wait, wait. Is it? It's time. Can, yeah. we, can we do that now? I, th- I think it is time for that. All right. Make it so. <laughs> Uh, we begin the episode with the Andromeda and crew investigating an abandoned Calderon ship. All the Calderons have been killed. Who could accomplish such an act? Well, the ship's log reveals the answer. A lone veteran somehow got aboard and wiped out the Calderon crew. Everyone is floored by the sighting of a live veteran after more than a 300-year absence. Dylan is intrigued and feels compelled to find this veteran, both to offer his help and protection, but also to perhaps find a way home to his beloved Tarn Vedra. Their search brings them to the sanctuary world of Ralparthia, a world nearly as important to the veterans as Tarn Vedra itself. But the Calderans have set up shop on Ralparthia, exploiting the planet's resources. It seems that a small group of veterans were fighting the Calderans, along with some of the human inhabitants, but the veterans' goal for fighting them was unclear. With the help of one of the human inhabitants, Maya, Dylan is able to rescue the lone surviving veteran and get some answers. Well, sort of. It seems that she is more interested in dispensing orders than information. Dylan, she claims, is on a need-to-know basis, and right now, all Dylan needs to know is that she needs a Nova Bomb in order to accomplish her mission. This creates serious doubts in Dylan, both in this veteran, Exalta, who claims to be the Vice Admiral of Argosi Operations, Dylan's old alma mater, and doubts about the veterans themselves, who have clearly isolated themselves while watching the galaxy exist in tatters around them. They have even been aware of Dylan's efforts to restore the Commonwealth, an effort that they approve of, but for the Dylan, the question is, why haven't they helped? He agrees to help, although reluctantly. Exalta returns to Ralparthia and instructs the Andromeda to run, which they do, as the veteran uses the Nova Bomb to pull Ralparthia out of normal space, collapsing slipstream access to it, and isolating the planet, much the same way that had been done with Tarvedra itself. With unanswered questions about what the veterans are up to and what Dylan's role with them will be, the Andromeda continues its mission to reestablish the system's commonwealth. The end. So what do you think about the Calderon style? Uh, so here's the thing. I had to go back to uh, Last Call at the Broken Hammer. Because mm-hmm. somehow, for some reason, I had it in my head that the Calderon's heads were a lot bigger and somehow they had shrunk them down mm-hmm. for this particular episode. But no, they're the same size. Huh. The Calderon style? Yeah. What are you talking about? I don't know. They, got, they wear cool shades. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's just something about them. There's definitely an 80s throwback to these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you could. I would love to see two of them dressed up in the Miami Vice clothes, <laughs> standing next to a Lamborghini Countach. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, and, and just play the Miami Vice theme with, yeah. with Duke Called Aaron standing in for uh, what were the character names? I don't, I don't know my '80s TV that well. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Crockett, Crockett, yeah, and and Biggs. No, that's <laughs> Star Wars. Never mind. Yeah. Anyway, Crockett, we remember that much. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're halfway there. <laughs> Sunny and Crockett. I don't know if it's Sunny either. I just, just spit that one out. Yeah, good style. Yeah, you good know style. what? I kind of wanted to see them. Oh, well, uh, not to interrupt, but I'm going to. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, capes. Yeah. Did you notice that? So capes are in. I guess so. If for for called if you're a called air. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you, you got to have something to cover the probuses on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't you, know. You maybe, can't. Maybe they like them. I was going to say you can't not hang something off of those. Yeah. You know that's just begging for it. Sure. I'd kind of like to see him all up there with, like, uh, you know, behind drums and keytars. <laughs> Just complete that 80s look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, man. Yeah. Yeah. A flock of called errands. <laughs> <laughs> Can we rename the episode? <laughs> this episode, just for once. Not the, not the actual Andromeda episode. Just call it a flock of called errands. People might, people might get confused. That's true. I'm sorry. And when I say people, I mean me. <laughs> Right, yeah. Uh, you you brought up uh, fashion sense. So here's the thing. I again, I, I'm I'm not the fashion guy, but I keep coming back to this the costumes. So what do you think of uh, Rami's uh, high guard hoodie? Did you notice that? I didn't notice. You that. didn't notice that when they're on no. Raw Parthia. Nah, just... uh, obviously, Trance is running around in her wicker basket costume. <laughs> uh, but but I noticed too that Robbie had the uh, the high guard hoodie. Okay, did, but did, didn't know that was an option. Did she look kind of sithy? <laughs> Rami or or Trance? Rami. Rami. Uh-huh. Um, I would no. It, okay. it was it was very tight fitting hoodie. Oh, okay. And I'm just wondering what in the world did the high guard think? Why did they think that was going to be necessary? You just got to be prepared. I guess so. And I don't think Highguard had anything to do with it. You don't think that was high it, because Dylan had the same jumpsuit on. They were wearing the same jumpsuit. It's just hers mm. had a hoodie. Okay, I have a question because you, you know Ethan. I love a good pun, right? You know this about me. Yes, I have been guilty of committing many of atrocious puns on this episode alone oh yeah no yeah you're you're a punny guy <laughs> well i appreciate that but uh this this episode had a uh what i thought was a a pretty well orchestrated pun uh they took a long way getting around it much like i'm taking the long way around getting to the point okay on this um i'm following okay i'm tracking so far <laughs> <laughs> yeah they said so uh so how long have the the veterans been here Maya says since the fall. Oh yeah, since the fall of the Commonwealth. No, <laughs> eight months ago. Yeah, since autumn. <laughs> autumn, not not the fall. Since you know the fall. Oh, you know what? I didn't even catch that. Oh, you didn't. No, I just thought it was Dylan being dense. Oh, I didn't even catch the pun part. You know, now I, I feel real dumb. I don't think Maya was intending to make a pun, but it definitely worked that way. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here's my question about this, though. Okay, this is being presented to us in English because we, the viewers, speak English. Most of us. All right. They all speak common. Which is English in sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> For the benefit of the viewers, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 
I kind of wonder, how do these puns work? Do they really translate like that in common? Well, apparently, well, maybe not. Did Dylan seem like he got the joke? I don't know if Dylan gets jokes. <laughs> Point. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is true. Right. Because if it was intended to be a joke, I can see Dylan being like, oh, right. Yeah. You know, instead of being like, ha! Trance used to enjoy a good joke, but now it doesn't seem like she she gets them. Yeah, she's really mellowed. She has. (laughs) Did you say yellowed or mellowed? Yes. (laughs) Speaking of, of puns, or words that rhyme at the very least, did Rami say they have force lances or horse lances? Because they were riding up on horses. Uh-huh. And that just the way she said, she just ran through that. And, and I, for the life of me, heard horse lances. Well, I think you were focused on the horses. I was focused on the horses. Right. We hadn't seen any horse lances Where did horses yet? come from? <laughs> um, Earth, I guess. I mean, these are like yeah. North American thoroughbred horses they're riding up on. Right. But we're on Raw Parthia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it did throw me just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 3,000 years in the future, and we're riding animals. Well, not us. We're flying around in starships. True. But the warders are riding out around on horses. Was that what they were called? Yeah. Warders. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, speaking of the warders, I, I want to know, okay, these guys, if they're supposed to be protectors or some sort of guards or soldiers, man, they're just awful. <laughs> because here's here's what I saw happen. Here, here's here's my next point okay. on, my, on my notes. Am I stepping on you again? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, a good move by Dylan, you know, just uh, drawing a line in the sand, as he says. Air quotes. Yeah, Yeah, you couldn't see that, but that's what we did. Um, But then, after that, they get Maya on the ground, right? Okay. Yes. So she's compromised. Yeah. Now you still have the three horsemen still on their horses with their force lances extended, pointing at Rami, Dylan, and Trance. They've stepped out of cover. It's three on three. Yeah. They approach the three horsemen and say, <laughs> put them down. And they're like, whoa, cool. Yeah. Done. We're, you got us. I know. I, they folded like a cheap tent. Like a cheap tent. I, I was waiting for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was kind of my point. It, and I, when I wrote that down watching it last night, I, I subsequently watched it again on my lunch break today. And yeah, it just seems ridiculous. <laughs> Could they have not come up with something a little better scripted mm-hmm. to give uh, to allow Dylan the the the, the joy of victory? Because this was just insanely easy, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, it was pretty. Uh, they are pretty inept, right? Well, you think maybe put them in white armor. Yeah, at first <laughs> glance, maybe. Well, we need them. They're important for the story, but they're not. Yeah. We could have just been like, okay, go ahead and torch three guys on the horses. Oh, sorry about your friends. We're actually all good guys. I'm thinking just have Maya ride up. She's the one protector. That would have been more believable, right. I, I think, instead of three people with her. <laughs> I promised myself I was not going to make this reference. <clears throat> But when I saw the four of them riding up on the horses, all I could hear in my head was, on a kazoo. (laughs) Right? Right. Right? Yes. Men in tights. Yep. Mm -hmm. I follow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 
Where was the Renaissance costumes for this one? Yeah, that would have been. That would have been right. awesome. Right. That would have been right in keeping with the prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other question I have about that scene was, and this is a question because of my ignorance. I do not know anything about military strategy or anything like that. Dylan orders his team, when when they take up their force lances, he orders them to take defensive shots only. Yeah. I don't understand. How do you only fire defensive shots with a force lance or any sort of firearm. Well, here's the thing. We've already established that force lances have lower settings, right? Yeah. So basically they have like a stun setting. Okay. A very low, low powered charge. Right. So if you hit the person, you're not going to kill them. You just knock them off the horse or something, right? So was that defensive? I, uh, just trying to hit them but not kill them? I guess, but if that's the case, they're pretty poor shots too. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if like... Until it's called Aaron's. And then everybody hits everything you, sh- you point at. Well, yeah. Well, it's kind of the Calderon's fault because they just stand there out in the open <laughs> in the middle of the tr- and wait for you to shoot them. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other conversation. Yes. Okay. Um, I was wondering if maybe defensive shots is uh, sort of like uh, the uh, Patriot missiles that go out and they, they when the force lance fires at them, they shoot back and Intercept. they try to hit. Mm-hmm. That that blast from the other force lance is that what they're doing? Is that a setting on the force lance? I, I don't know. I don't know. I I didn't see any of that happening. It just looked like all their shots were going wide. So I guess it, it, to scare the horses. Yeah. Well, that ended up working in the end. Yeah, it did. Did, did they have to turn the settings up to draw the line in the sand? Is that a setting? Line in the sand. <laughs> line in the sand. <laughs> Let me see here. One, two, three. Line in the sand, right there in the middle. Right. There it Let's is. see. There, we got we got defensive setting, line in the sand <laughs> setting, zombie setting. <laughs> what, what did we have to? Oh yeah, we did have to use that one. <laughs> I thought we would never. <laughs> in a million years. In a million years, exactly. No, that that is an excellent point that you bring up, though. Is what exactly did it mean by that? Because here it, it seems like in this show. Um, for this writer, he he's he's forgotten other episodes, and maybe that's that. Maybe that's the pattern that we're seeing here is that they have a, there is a good writing staff. I, I feel like John Lloyd Perry has written a good story here. I liked Last Call of the Broken Hammer too, and as you pointed out, we had called Aaron's in that one as well. So thank you for that. But um, it it just it feels like there's a disconnect between one episode to the next so that we had this, you know, the zombie settings where we established that you could turn it up. You could crank it to 11, basically. Um, it, it, I thought it was eight. It was an eight. It was eight. <laughs> yeah. it? Well, figuratively <laughs> crank it to 11 okay. enough All to right. kill, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the force Lance does have this adjustable power setting. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I guess we have to assume that that's what Dylan was saying is dial it down a bit. Defensive only? Maybe. I guess so. Maybe. I I like to think that it had something to do with where they were placing their shots. It looked like it. Mm-hmm. Because you know Rami can hit mm-hmm. from however long, however far away right. it is. She can, she can dial that in. Well, you also know that Rami... I shouldn't say you know, because I don't know. But I imagine Rami can run faster than a horse. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. It stands to reason it could happen, though. I like to think that she can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, veteran blood. I'd like to just talk about veteran blood for Hold a on, second. Let me cross that off of mine. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> veteran blood looks a lot like my kid's crest toothpaste. <laughs> yeah. Even it's got the little flecks in there too. The yep. little, the little reflective. Yeah. Yeah. It's like glitter. It is glitter. <laughs> it was glitter, wasn't it? I don't know. It did look like it. In the in toothpaste or in the veteran blood? Both. Okay. You know they're putting stuff in that toothpaste that's not good for us. Probably. Uh, Crest does not sponsor this podcast. Anymore. No, should I have not used a brand name? Hmm? I probably I shouldn't. I should have just said in my kid's toothpaste. Maybe. Nah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's- Crest doesn't listen to this. That's true. <laughs> Let's just roll on from that. Then. If anyone from Crest, sorry, is Proctor, and, yes. Proctor and Gamble, <laughs> I do apologize if I have used your name in vain. Yeah. Um. I thought, okay, my wife was watching this with me earlier this evening, and uh, when they're going through the caves and they find another spot of veteran blood, and Dylan, he identifies it. It wasn't a spot. Well, She stood there and bled out for a little while. Yeah, well, it was was a gelatinous pool. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, he identifies it as veteran blood, and then proceeds to stick his finger in it. Yes. She says... Why did he have to touch it? Why? Yeah, I know. That was my thought, too. And I didn't have an answer for her. Nope. And I still don't have an answer. <laughs> Why did he have to touch it? Um, Dylan's a hands-on guy. Yeah, I guess so. And, uh, again, it, to, the, to the cave, when they're in the cave rescuing the veteran. Um, why did it take two widely spaced missile shots? in order to put a relatively small hole in the roof of the cave for them to be rescued. More impressive to me than that was the fact that those two missile shots could knock all the rocks down from the ceiling of the cave and wipe out all the Calderans, but leave the rest of our heroes completely unscathed. Brilliant stroke of luck. Yeah. Yeah. Or Rami's just really good. <laughs> Rami's really good. But he I'm, I'm just he said 30 meters from my, from my <clears throat> position. Yeah. So, it, yeah, and, and that's a, it apparently only took one missile to do that, but two missiles went out from the Maru, <laughs> and one of them went, like, way wide to the right. <laughs> was she taking out another group that was on their way to the entrance of the cave? That had to be it. Yep. That that was, that's be, what happened. That was what happened. Yeah. Meant to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> or there's another water settlement that's really mad right now. <laughs> yeah. You know that term, friendly fire. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, another thing about, since you mentioned the cave, I'm going to pick on this, and it's not just this episode, but it happens all the time in TV and movies. I have been in caves. Where's all the light coming from? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't so much as a cave as they were walking through there as a as a covered colonnade <laughs> <laughs> through the walls in certain segments there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I did see that there were little, uh, sort of like semi-hemispherical sconces. Semi-hemispherical? That's like half of a half of a circle, right? So Qu- quarter sconces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> Meant to say that. So, you know, they're, they're kind of throughout the caves, but they're not on. Yeah. They're just on the walls because they don't need to be on right now. There's plenty of light just shining in from the <laughs> filtering from, from outside, right? From yeah. from the from the next corridor over, right? And they're going deeper and deeper into the caves. And every time they go into another catacomb, 
there's light pouring in from the one they were just in. Yes. This really bugs me. As I said before, I have been in caves before. <laughs> and the only yeah. light that is in there are the ones that they have to hook up and turn on. Yes. And when they turn those things off, there's there's nothing. Right. You can't you you cannot see veteran blood in front of your face. <laughs> you can you can dip your finger in veteran blood, stick it on your nose and not see it. Maybe that's why he had to do that. <laughs> they probably just had the the, the camera is in night aperture vision. wide open on the camera. Yeah. So we could see it, but they're just kind of stumbling yeah. around. There you go. Sounds reasonable. Uh, yeah. Whatever it is, it's the same technology they had in Star Trek, so Okay, because you know, it's just the same. It's the same scenario there. Otherwise, well, and that's if you I have say, a completely dark room, what kind of an episode is that? I don't know. You're gonna have to have light. You yeah. got to see what's going on. Well, I agree, but, but explain. Give it. us a reason why <laughs> there's light. Yeah, the, all those sconces. Go ahead and turn them on. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, it can I be mean, brighter than what those sconces would actually give off too. I don't care. Yeah, but just, help me to see that there's some yeah. artificial light coming from somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Just explain it. Instead of every cavern or every cat, uh, uh, what do you call it? Every room in that cavern has got a window view. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Uh, I, I gotta say, I really thought that Dylan and the rest of the crew was very observant, but their powers of observation have failed miserably in this episode. Really? How's that? Well, do you remember when they're down? On Raw Parthia, and they see the veteran for the first time, mm-hmm. and she's zipping around, whoop, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And they're they're astounded. How does she do that? Did you see that? It's like she's teleporting or something. What's going on? And I'm like, you just saw that on the tape, yeah, right? You had to slow it down to see her. Remember quarter speed because she was zipping around <laughs> the spaceship. Yeah. Yeah, so either they have no powers of observation or they have really short memories. Either way, I'm worried about the crew on this mission. Uh, and, and, and I have another question about about Dylan, or not necessarily a question, but really just an observation. I never knew that Dylan was so narcissistic. Hmm. And we really find out this about him in this episode. Yeah. Because when they see the the veteran for the first time, when they're all still on the Andromeda, and they're all in awe of seeing this veteran, no one has ever seen a veteran. Dylan's Dylan's quote is, no one but me. And I'm kind of wanting Rami to be like, I, I remember. <laughs> what am I, chop liver? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any of the other androids yeah. that are around yeah. that are more than 300 years Where's the Pax old? Magellanic? Call yeah. them up. Yeah, they, they saw <laughs> – they remember new. the veterans. He was like, yeah. Wait, no, it I blew up, it. didn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's all kinds of other uh, beings and creatures out there, aliens, sentient beings that live longer than 300 years. Th- that's a good point. Yeah, uh-huh. How – how short-sighted is that? Yeah. Because not everybody only lives 70, 80, 90 years mm-hmm. and then dies like right. the human presumably does. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know what lifespans are for humans at this point, do we? I got to assume... For Harper, it's pretty short. <laughs> Can be. I got to assume that uh, it's probably, you know, Perseids or sort of the... They're sort of the uh, the equivalent in this universe to the Vulcans. Don't, don't, oh, you said it. I did it. 
<laughs> you did it. Yeah. So I'm sure uh, Hone is he, he see, had probably seen. Veterans. See, I'm here. I'm I'm fixing to have this conversation about veterans. Yeah. And what did we learn? Yeah. About our you know our universe here. Oh. And I was going to draw that comparison. Forget even start it. with forget, a V. For, just forget I said it. Okay. I'll tell you what. Instead, we'll move on to my last point. <laughs> okay, let's do that. The uh, the little I don't know what to call it, but the little token that uh, that Exalta has that she gives to Dylan to to prove, oh the quartz crystal to prove her, her yeah. credentials as the admiral. Yeah, yeah. The, the USB drive. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan just takes it, and he's walking around the ship with it. Yeah. What if she needs that? What if she needs to prove to somebody else who she is? I think she's on a suicide mission. Or at least she makes it sound like that. Well, yeah. Yeah, but still. Why why does Dylan have it? That's like that's like having a uh a police badge in the jurisdiction and you're not a police officer, right? That's illegal. <laughs> Like I can have a, here. A, let me take your police badge and walk around for right. a while with that. But am, but am I wrong though? I no, mean, I see what you're saying. There, yeah. I can have. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I understand the law is, I can have a New York City police badge here in this town in the middle of the country. Yeah. of the United States. Yeah. No, no, harm, no one's no going to no do foul. anything. Right. If I possess that in New York City. That's kind of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because you can go around misrepresenting yourself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why he has this little token crystal. Well, she hadn't left the ship. So it's not like, I mean, it's it's okay. She knows where it's at. Right? I guess. Maybe he, she was just like, do you want to hold it for a while? There's like six people and a bunch of droids. What kind of trouble is he going to get in with her credentials? I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's not so much about him, but what if she needs him again? What if, uh, what if, because Becca admits that she never got to see the veteran, right? Right, yeah. What if she goes Harper down got there? to see her. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was quite a reaction. Yeah. <laughs> like, can he not count? <laughs> did he, did he, did he have to think that long and hard on it, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, Sorry, I derailed you. No, that's all right. It happens. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, what if she needed to to prove her credentials to Becca? And she's like, no, really, I am a veteran admiral. Look, let me, oh, crap, Dylan has it. You got to believe me, though. Seriously, you need to to overload the AP tanks. I'm telling you. Where is that crystal? Call your captain. He can vouch for me. (laughs) All right. That's enough funny business, Ethan. What do you say we get down to it and actually discuss some uh, some good points that we get from this episode? Okay. Yeah. Um, may I? Absolutely. I'm throwing it to you. Dude. Veterans. We know what they look like. Mm-hmm. We know what they sound like. Yeah. They've been gone 300 years from these galaxies, and, and now here, here, here we've got one in the flesh. Yeah. Bleeding all over the floor. Yeah. They're, um, they're messy. Yeah. And, and so that brings up some questions about, uh, well, first of all, their motivations. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are they back? Well, it seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? They want their beloved Raul Parthia, right? Mm-hmm. I assume they're taking that planet to whatever realm Tarn Vedra's in, right? Hmm. Is, that a, is that a fair assumption? I don't know. That sounds weird. Okay. How can, how can these move planets? Well, 
that brings up the next point. Tesseracting technology. What? Does that mean that they are just that far advanced that they're using it? Or or is because the only things that we've seen that use tesseracting technology so far in this universe are bad guys. Right. So does should that cast doubt on the 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 legend of the veterans? Are, are they really are they are they really the great exalted people? Exalta, yeah. See what I did there. <laughs> exalted people that uh, that Dylan made them out to be, at least in, initially when we first started talking about them. Or uh, they've got the same technology as the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Mm, should we question them? Yeah, you do bring up a good point though, because it, to this point, the only people that we've seen using this kind of technology has been um, agents of the abyss. Um, Harper and Hung tried to harness it, but they didn't invent that technology. Mm-hmm. It's not like the, the Perseids. This was something they came up with. This was something that, well, Harper stole this technology. Right. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and then uh, Tyr speculating that that they they moved it somehow, maybe like, a, like Tarn Vedra. Um hiding it for whatever purposes they're trying to. And yeah, they're using the same technology that the Abyss is using. Are they working together? Did the Abyss steal the technology from the veterans? Did the veterans steal the technology from the Abyss the same way that Harper did? Yeah. This technology can be stolen. Yeah, well, apparently so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just it just raised a lot of questions that obviously we don't have any answers to yet. Mm-hmm. But that's that's some of the first things that came to my mind as the credits are rolling there at the end it's like uh because we see a and we can come back to to this in a little more detail i guess when when the time comes but dylan goes through kind of a sea change here you know at the at the, at the outset he's viewing the veterans all, almost deifying them oh yeah but then by the end, time we get to the, this episode he's really questioning what are their motivations here mm-hmm. what is what has happened to them and why are they acting this way and he is not as trusting as he initially starts out being. Right. So, yeah, we have a lot of questions about the veterans that have come up. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was great to see them. And now we can put a face to and some legs mm-hmm. uh, to the legend, right? Right. The other thing I, I thought was interesting about him is, is we see Dylan's change uh, of the process that he goes through and how he thinks about the veterans. It was interesting to see Tears' viewpoint about the veterans, too. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an excellent point that he brought up is here. Dylan is trying to shape the galaxy to his will or the universe to his will. And now here come the veterans. Dylan doesn't need to be involved with these people because they can use him as a pawn and thus make tear a pawn as well. You know, mm-hmm. ultimately it all comes back to tear. Right. Um, but I thought he, he brings up a good point even before Dylan was giving any thought to, to the veterans, maybe having an ulterior motive. And one not coinciding with the goal that he has. Right. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And we see a lot of struggle uh, there with Dylan. Rami has to call him out on it, basically. Um, You're upset because they have plans and they're not involving you in it. Yeah. And you were talking about Dylan's hubris earlier Mm -hmm. and how he, 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 (laughs) you know, nobody's seen them but me. Right. 
I know about the veterans. Right. They no should be contacting does. me. Uh-huh. And then, as you pointed out there, Rami you know, has to get on to him a little bit about Which I wonder, when did Rami become the ship psychologist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of thought that, that when I'm watching that, I'm thinking this is a conversation that he should be having with Trance. But that or, also Or that Rev guy. That would have been a... They had a reverend? Yeah. It's been a long time, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a, that was a long time right. ago. Um, but that doesn't work with Trance, though, because Trance is not high guard. And that's what Rami keeps falling back on, is that, okay, yeah, you're upset about all this stuff, but you've got to do your duty. Just like I have to, right? I have no choice. Well, Dylan has a choice, unlike Rami. Right, yeah. But anyway, it was just kind of interesting to see that whole thing taking place between the android, Rami, and, and right. Dylan, the captain. Well, it, and it makes sense, too, because Rami is very much the ordered structure um, personality. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, until she falls in love or something weird comes up and crosses her circuits. Right. And then it all just goes out the airlock. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, as far as the, the order and high guard and duty and responsibility – yeah, it, it makes sense that she would be the one to approach Dylan in the, in that case and recognize the the quandary that he's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I want to touch back just real quick on the conversation we were having about the uh, the veteran te- tesseracting um, because they start to talk about it very briefly while they're down on the planet. Uh, Dylan and Rami are having a conversation, you know, what is this, some sort of, she's, oh, well, I, I detected Z particles or zero particles or whatever, sciencey words. Oh, so tesseracting. Um, so is it possible that Tarn Vedra could be in some sort of a, uh, a shadow universe with this tesseracting technology? I thought it was very interesting, Dylan's next Sentence. Enlighten me, because I've forgotten what his next words were. We'll worry about that later. So, are we going to be have to worry about this coming all, up later? All I'm saying is, Dylan said put a pin in it. <laughs> he did. Yeah. So, let's just put a pin we'll put in Put a it. pin in it. Okay. Okay. Um, one last thing on the veterans. Apparently, I, I, and I alluded to it in uh, kind of in, in my summary, the veterans apparently are have been watching everything that's been going on. It's obvious that they're aware of what's going on in the, in the universe right now. Yeah. So wherever like, they're at. Either that or she's good at bluffing. Oh, yeah, yeah. We totally knew about you. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay. I didn't think about it from that point of view. But all right. In, in any case, we'll go with the they're watching. Okay. So uh, they, they've been watching Dylan. They approve of what he's been doing. I thought that was interesting, though, in, in how that played into his change of character. In his change of viewpoint toward the veterans, um, we see what you're doing. Good on you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just gonna, you know, keep in the shadows, and and you just you just keep going about your business. You keep you stay on the front line. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You stand in front of the bullets, right? And we'll come out when we feel like the time is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's gonna that's gonna sour your impression of this people that you thought. You were just completely cut off from. Obviously, that's not the case. And I thought that was really interesting how he puts the vest on when he comes back up from Raul Parthia. And where did he think he was on his way to? I don't know if he said almost home, but that was what was implied. But that's what, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I heard. 
And, and that's why I say, what? where did he think he was going? Mm-hmm. Well, it, all the pieces were about to fall into place for him. He was going back to Tarn Vedra. Mm-hmm. That's how badly he wants to get back there. Mm-hmm. And now they're saying, no, no, you stay out here. <laughs> And and we're gonna we're gonna stay in the shadows and, and watch and see how things work out for you. That's mm-hmm. obviously gonna sour your impression. That's that's got to stick in your crawl just a little bit. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Okay, so stepping back a little bit from the episode itself and just focusing on the universe of Andromeda, something happened that you know I think. We've tried to talk about Slipstream every way possible, tried to figure out how it all works. And I think we felt like we had a pretty good grasp on it, or at least we can tell ourselves we did. But then something happened in this episode that I'm like, okay, I'm confused again. Um, Dylan wants You're going to make us have this conversation again. I am. I am. I had to almost put it to bed completely. No, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> All right, lay it on me. Uh, Dylan wants to drive. Yes. <laughs> because the slip to Raul Parthia, he says, and I quote, was one of my favorites. Yeah. Why? What, what, what's the scenery like on on the slip to, to Raul Parthia? What about I mean, the bumps and violent shaking on your way to Raul Parthia? Were any different than any other place in the universe that you slipped to? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. I don't think so. Yeah. It was, I don't know. Was, well, they, they did talk a little bit about uh, the journey versus destination. Doesn't that seem like more of a destination thing, though? Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of counterintuitive to what they're trying to say in the episode, right? Maybe coming out at Raw Parthia is so much smoother for some reason uh, than yeah. when you when you slide out of Slipstream at any other point in the universe. Yeah, they probably have a wider runway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's better lit. Yeah, I I don't know that that whole sequence in the show uh, of having him step into the into the contraption mm-hmm. and it, it it felt like it was just for show. And so it very much was, I don't think you can actually garner anything from the actual trip because he says, I, you know, I, it was the most enjoyable. Well, we never got to see why uh, the, 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 the lights come on, the dentist chair, you know, rolls up behind them, whatever that thing is, uh, or the overhead lights, they jump into slipstream and then the next thing is them popping back out. Mm-hmm. So we never get to see the trip. Right. We never we never get to see the moment where Dylan goes, "Hey y'all, watch this. <laughs> this is cool right here." Coming up on the right. That's right. Do you see? You see? Right. Oh, that was a great transition. <laughs> Did you see that quantum strand? That was awesome. <laughs> we never get to see that. Right. So we don't we still don't understand why uh pilots enjoy certain trips through slipstream yeah. um versus others. Right. And you didn't want to talk about that. Well, well, I kind of did. Okay. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. It was weird and kind of out of place. It didn't make any sense. So just kind of wanted to point it out. Duly noted. Yeah. And a job well done. Well, thank you. Um, I guess I guess one final point I have here as far as uh, this show and the characters. Um, we're introduced to a character that, uh, according to your trivia, we're never going to see again. Mm-hmm. Maya. Yes. What does she do now? Where does she go? Is she going to hang out on the Andromeda? 
She's the same as the uh, the woman that came back with Kirk in the, the Voyage Home, Star Trek Four. Okay. She's just going to make a life somewhere else now. She's just happy to be off that rock. Yeah. I guess so. I <laughs> thought she liked that rock, though. Well, she thought she did. Yeah. I mean, it, she's okay with it being gone. Yeah. She's cool with that. And and I can get that. Okay. Be- I guess because she sees that she has somehow served some sort of greater purpose, even if she doesn't completely understand. I, I wonder if she understands more about what's going on here than Dylan does. Mm. Yeah, so maybe so. maybe that's even more of why she's okay with it. But I feel sorry for her. Where Where's she going to go now? What's she going to do? Is Is Dylan maybe going to write a letter of recommendation to the Academy for her too? So she can be a pilot? After a three-week tour around sure. the existing Commonwealth. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hang out in the captain's quarters. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly seemed like there could have been some of that going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had that nice uh, little parting kiss there at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To which Dylan still does not know how to react. <laughs> yes, I know. I had, yeah, I had that same thought, too. It was like, well, hey, you couldn't you couldn't play that off any more cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, then. Um yeah, and I guess that's one of the things about some of these characters and the way they're written in is is they really are just they're just guests mm-hmm. is is all they are. It's to give us a couple of extra faces to look at, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, it doesn't feel like they're really giving them. You say uh, you feel sorry for. Her. I, I didn't get that connection at all. At the end of the episode, it was just like, see ya. Yeah, uh, been nice knowing you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, enjoy your time, and you know. Albuquerque Drift or wherever you're off to next, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of weak uh, the way Maya was written in, but um, you know, she served yeah. she served her purpose for as long as she was necess- as needed. Yeah. Um, we don't. We're, I guess we're not ever going to revisit her again. What happened to the horsemen? <laughs> fired. <laughs> They're fired. Um, they become mall cops oh, okay. on glitter dust. Uh, all right. Yeah, I think I remember them. All right, enough of that. So now this is the time of the show where we look at the opening quote and then we discuss it. We dissect it and try to get more out of this quote than is probably there. Good luck with that this are week. You, are you ready? Let's do this. All right. To venture the fair unknown, I must enter as I leave, a traveler, alone. You know who said that? No. Nobody does. Nobody it's, does. It's anonymous. <laughs> Commonwealth year 1917. Hmm. That was a long, long, long time ago. Not the 20th century 1917. No. No, Commonwealth year yeah. 1917. That was almost 10,000. That was 9,000 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Commonwealth 10,000, right? Commonwealth existed for 10,000 years before the fall, right? Uh, is that something like that? No, we're at uh, 9,000. Nine, 9, 8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah, in the early 9,000s right, 9, right okay, now. Okay, so not quite 10,000 years. Yeah. So we're looking at 8,000 years ago, mm-hmm. something, somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay. Uh, You want my thoughts on it? Please. I don't really have any thoughts on it. Okay. I mean, it, this just feels like a saying where... And I know this this quote was from something. I saw it when I was doing my research for trivia, and I didn't think it was an important enough point to even 
putting my notes. So I, I do apologize for that. I, I missed an opportunity there. But this felt like such a throwaway quote at the beginning of this episode. Just what's the, the joke? Uh, there's a whole Family Guy episode where uh, Peter laughs because they say face off in the movie face off. Uh-huh. And that just amuses him to no end. And so that felt like what this was here. It's just a chance to say what the title of the episode is mm-hmm. at the beginning of the episode. Right. And, and I don't, I haven't really thought about the saying enough to really pull anything philosophical or profound out of it. Uh, I know there's something there with what, how does it end? Uh, I must enter as I leave a traveler alone. Okay. Yeah, there, there's probably something in there that if we really spent the time on, we could, might be able to draw out. But I just mm, don't really want to put the effort into that. Okay, that's fair. Um, unlike you, I actually did put a great deal of effort into this. And I sat there, and I had it paused on the screen, and I just sat there, and I read it over and over again, and I kept thinking about this episode and all of the things that happened. And what I came up with was about the same what what you just said. Didn't really have much. Um, Yes, they said the fair unknown. That was cool. And I guess if I really have to stretch it, uh, who has gone into the fair unknown? Is it the veteran? Is it Dylan? Um, Who has to enter as they leave? A traveler alone. Is it the veteran? Because now the veteran has gone on this suicide mission. Yeah, what the suicide mission? She's she's back. She's sipping whatever they drink on a Tarn Vedra now. Okay, but her mission's is, accomplished. But this is how it's presented. Though. Yeah, I know. Okay, but we know there's more coming. Yeah, or is Dylan the traveler that returns, that enters as he leaves, a traveler alone? I guess Dylan is the the focal point of of that saying. I would suppose mm-hmm. that would make more sense than the veteran. Then, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what was her name? Exalta. Exalta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's about all I can get out of it, really. Well, that was just, insightful, actually. Well, that was more than I gave credit. That Now, that's true. Yeah, that's all I got for that. But what about just the episode in general? Did you give any thought to that? How do you mean? Uh, is there something specific you're looking for? No, closing thoughts. Oh, okay. What did you think about the episode? I do have some closing thoughts. Oh, okay. You did give some thought to that. I did give some thought to that. Okay. No, I I really did. um, I actually enjoyed this episode a lot. Um, When I watched it a couple of weeks ago, I brought it up to you as, hey, we get uh, get a pretty good episode coming up here. And you said, sum it up in a sentence. And I said, I can do you one better. I'll sum it up in one word. Veterans, And you instantly knew what I was referring to, mm-hmm. even though you didn't, by the episode title, remember what the episode was about. Right. But as soon as I said veterans, you knew instantly what was happening. Mm-hmm. I, it, was a, it was a standout episode yeah. for that fact. I mean, we get to see the veterans. We get to know what they look like. We get to see why Dylan uh, didn't deify them, but, but held them up in high regard. Yeah, he pretty close to deified them. Pretty close. Yeah. He yeah. he how did he refer to them? A formidable people. Yeah. And, and so for that reason there's a lot in this episode to really sink your teeth into. And honestly, we didn't talk about some of the interactions between Tyr and Becca on the ship. And I think some of them were not perhaps not significant. But we got to see more of the 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 Tyr Becca interactions that I think are so enjoyable to watch. I mean, 
the the Calderans turned the one of the planets in the Rawl system into a sun, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we got to see the excitement that happened with that. I, I love kind, kind of a big deal. That kind we of didn't a big talk deal. about <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, we're talking about it now. Uh-huh. But there, and at the end, I loved when Dylan comes back on the Maru and radios in, you know, signals into the Andromeda. You get this great interaction of Tyr and Becca on the bridge. Dylan says, who's responsible? <laughs> Tyr just points like a six-year-old pointing to their sibling, you know. And Becca's like, they started it, you know. <laughs> and and we got to see some of that. And that's some great humor, good writing, and, and just two great characters that we got to see interact just a little more. And with that and what we learned about the veterans and the wicker basket clothing that trance wore, it was, there was a lot of interesting visuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can tell... We got the clip show so that they could make this one, so that we could go on site mm-hmm. uh, somewhere in British Columbia right. and, and shoot outdoors and have horses and have wicker basket clothing and the high guard hoodie. Mm-hmm. And it, just a lot of a lot of great things here that that kept your attention. And you know, maybe some of the things were a little disjointed in the way they were s- stitched together. But I, I I feel like this is a, a very strong episode. I'm almost disappointed that this John Lloyd Parry only has two credits to his uh, to his credit in writing Andromeda episodes because I think he he's got something. Maybe it's not you know complete. Maybe it's it's not Robert Hewitt Wolf level. It's not Ethel Ann Vare level. But uh, he has a knack for telling stories within the Andromeda universe that are interesting, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I gotta say um, this was. This is one of those standout episodes. It's like you already mentioned when you said you texted me the word veteran. I knew the episode. Um, and it, it's a pretty big deal because we keep hearing about Tarn Vedra. They've looked for Tarn Vedra. They have talked about the veterans, uh, Dylan especially. And it is to the rest of the universe, as, as Tyr describes them, they're a, a mythical creature. It's not even real. They're very centaur-like, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Four legs and everything. <laughs> oh, interesting. But but now here we have one. Yeah. And as Becca says, yeah, they're, they're not mythological anymore. And you just get the sense that this is a big deal, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so you, you kind of – you're wondering about the future now for this show, um, how much – are the veterans going to be a part of this show from here on out? Are they going to be just kind of in the shadows and maybe pulling a few strings? Or now are they going to come to the fore and be a big part of this show? Yeah. Um, we don't know. But now we're thinking about the veterans because we know that, yeah, they disappeared, but they're not gone. Right. They're very much here. They can be players. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then with the ability to make star systems disappear. And we saw it before our eyes. We saw the slip portals open, and that system just disappeared. And the slip portal, the the slipstream collapsed behind yeah. the Andromeda. Right, yeah, so There's they're no, cut off. No yeah. way to get back. Right. So that's a pretty big indication of what happened to Tarn Vedra in the first place. Yeah. Um, also indicating that evidently they've had this technology for some time. Yes. Because Tarn Vedra disappeared. 302 years ago mm-hmm. in universe um you mentioned the uh the the 
the exterior on location. Uh, it, 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 you bring, you brought it up. Okay. The three hundred two years. Uh-huh. We got that in the little dialogue between the three of them, right. Rami and Becca and right. And quick Dylan. exposition. Yeah, quick exposition there. Mm-hmm. Did, did you notice Becca's little? It, and I know it probably wasn't a Star Trek reference, but the little quote that she gave. I've been around uh, perdition's flames or the the moons of whatever it was. Okay, yeah. that that little uh-huh. that little saying. That, do you remember what that's from in Star Trek? Khan quotes it in Wrath of Khan. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I thought that was a nice little tie-in there. Huh. We're always looking for Star Trek connections, yeah. and that was a definite one that stood out to me. I and mean, I should be ashamed of myself. You didn't? Huh? No, I didn't catch it. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but I caught the pun, and you didn't. <laughs> Point in uh, your favor. Another yes, okay. reason I liked this episode, there was a, a very well orchestrated pun. Yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah, um, I liked the uh, the exterior on location shots. Um, I loved the way Raw Parthia just it looked incredible. It looked just like Helos Nine. It looked just like Serendipity. It looked like the planet from Music of a Distant Drum. Um, it looked like so many of these planets that we have seen in this episode. Yet this, another garden this, spot uh, series in the universe. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So they're they're very attracted to these sorts of planets. Um, basically, so basically, what we're getting from Andromeda is that, and the ideal planet that you want to live on is you want to live in BC. Because yeah. you want every world in the universe to right. look like British Columbia. Yeah, it needs to be the the pine forest it's north the ideal. of Vancouver. That's it's, right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so that's what we've learned from this episode. I think so, okay. yeah. And I'm going to have to move to Canada. So, It's a boat time. To our Canadian listeners, I envy you. <laughs> You're already in paradise. Mm-hmm. Um. Did and, I say that right? No, I didn't. Not what? a boat time. It's a boot. How do they say it? A boot, yeah. A boot time. Mm-hmm. It's about a boat time. A boot. A boot time. Sorry. I'm I'm I kid. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I'm just stepping all over it. I know it. You need to work on your Canadian accent. I do, I do. Uh um, but I guess just to sum it up, um, yeah, this was a really fun, entertaining episode. I enjoyed watching it. Every time I watched it, uh, it's memorable, and there's a lot that goes on here. Yeah, yeah, there and is. And whether you come back to it or not, we can't say now because there's so many times that Andromeda has let us down in this regard, bringing up something really cool, and then we never see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, That's just, not going to happen I'm here? Just, uh, all I'm saying is, Dylan said... Put a pin in there. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. So it's it's something sticks. Something's going to stick from this episode carrying forward. Cool. Now you got my hopes up. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not going to say that this is a huge watershed pit of pivotal episode. Okay. You know, but yeah, there's some big stuff that happens here. Remember some things that happen mm-hmm. here. That's what you're saying. And I think that uh, we'll be talking about this episode again okay. at some point. Fantastic. In a few years. Well, we're definitely going to be talking about the actresses that guest starred in here. Yeah. But not because of what they did here. Right. Where we don't get to see what Maya does. No. No. And Exalta is, she's done. Okay. Right. Because she's dead, right? I, no. Yeah. Yes? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. 
Possibly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say that she's alive, sipping whatever you said it was she was sipping back on, on Tarn Vedra. I was about to say Maya ties, but that's the wrong <laughs> character. Never mind. <laughs> um, but it's not just that the planet and the whole system disappeared while she was on it. That doesn't necessarily mean that she died. Right. She was in pretty rough shape. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But you assume that she's going back to a place where her people are going to be there waiting. Because wasn't that the whole point of rescuing this planet from the Calderans' uh, greedy, resource-grabbing hands? They they cherish this planet. We already had that established at the outset of this episode. Mm-hmm. Some of the Tarn some of the veterans viewed this planet with more regard than Tarn Vedra itself. Right. Yeah. So obviously they were they, they were reaching out to to draw this planet into the protective protective uh, whatever space. <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. it is that Tarn Vedra's in. So I assume somebody's there waiting that can help her. Yeah. I don't know. I'd like to think that she died. Not not that because I didn't like her, but I mean just the way everything went. She was willing she was willing to sacrifice she, herself. She pretty much well, she said that's what she she was she was going to die. Yeah. Let me go so I can die and fulfill my mission. And she gave Dylan the crystal. Oh yeah. So So now when she goes back, they won't know who she is anyway. Right. They're like, <laughs> are um excuse me, what are you doing here? Miss, but don't you think she, like, she could just I'm, walk up? I'm, to, Ad, I'm Admiral Exalta. Oh, really? Where's your little quartz stone? What's the code word? <laughs> Una Salus Victus. <laughs> because the veterans right. know Latin. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, they probably invented it. And the pyramids, they built them. Yeah, definitely. All right, we're totally derailing. <laughs> we both like the episode, but that's how big of an episode this was. Okay, see, we figured out. That's where... Secrets have been revealed. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Okay, so yes. Yes, I did like this episode, Ethan. Thank you for discussing it with me today. I did as well. Yeah. And I enjoyed this discussion with you, my friend. Yeah, what about the listeners? Did they enjoy this discussion? Mm, They need to write in and let us know. I would like to hear from them. How could they get a hold of us? Uh, They can do so by writing into drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. They can also find us on the social medias, on Facebook and Twitter, where we use the handle at AndromedaPod. Our home is on Podbean, www.andromedaseries.podbean.com. And if you listen to us on iTunes, we'd certainly appreciate a, a review. We know there's some reviews out there. Thank you very much, listeners, for pointing that out. Uh, keep sending in those reviews, regardless of which country you're in. Give us some stars. Subscribe to us. Listen to us on iTunes. We'd certainly appreciate it. And we're not going to ask, but we will mention that there is a tip jar. There is one. On our on our page. And you can find information about that on our website. That's right. On Pod, on andromedaseries.podbean.com Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for once again giving us his voice on the opening quote of this episode. This is an Age of Geek production. Check them out. No, don't check them out because they haven't done anything in months. <laughs> <laughs> We've been slacking over there on the Age of Geek website. Yes, we have. But I've got people hitting me up to do something, so I might might do something soon. We hope that you will join us back here again next time as we look at the episode, Belly of the Beast. <laughs>